Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. My beautiful wife is with me, and I'm going to have her come and uh, speak a few words to you this morning. I didn't. Uh, pre-warn her, sweetie. Um, as I was sitting there thinking that this might happen, um, <laughs> you know, when you've been in the ministry over 50 years, you're just prepared for anything. You know, the illustrations from their sermons, mm-hmm. he gets an evil eye every now and then. Mm, you know, some things um, I don't want him to say. <laughs> Or I'm not sure what he's going to say. So, anyway. But anyway, in um, my devotions the other morning, there's a song that came on. And it's by Cody Carnes, and it's called Nothing Else. Nothing else but you, Lord. Nothing else. Nothing else. And all of a sudden, I began to just think of all the things. I said, Lord, no one else will do. No one else will do. No one else can take away my fear. No one else can come and touch me where I need to be touched. No one else can heal my heart. No one else can touch my mind. No one else can strengthen me when I'm weak. No one else will do. No one else. There's no one else but you, Jesus. So this morning, no matter what, you might be going through, you might be experiencing. Just remember, no one else will do. Just speak his name. Just speak the name of Jesus because he has the answers for all of us. Isn't that the truth? And every morning we have a choice. Every morning we have a choice to get up and say, Lord, I want my life to glorify you today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, today, each day. So um, it's a call for all of us, isn't it? And Gracie, I'm so happy you're here. My my longtime friend and uh, since, um, well, we won't go there, but it's it's long time. <laughs> and I'm grateful for all the years. God bless you. God bless you all. Thank you, sweetheart. And it is a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you, People's Church, for making us feel so welcome every time we come. And thank you for hosting the uh, our annual uh, Northwest meeting that we have to have uh, for our pastors and do our business that we do. And uh, People's Church through the years has always been a great place to come and meet, and, and uh, they always treat us so well. So thank you very much, and, and again, yeah, feel free to come and, 
and uh, enjoy the time with us. Pastor Gary and Susan, thank you for the invitation. I'm glad your heart's okay. Yeah, praise the Lord. And uh, uh, we were praying for you, and the Lord did a miracle, really. Yeah, yeah, he really did. Pastor Mike and Teresa, thank you, too, for the great worship time and all the worship team. Let's give them a hand. They just, wonderful songs, wonderful set. Really minister to my heart. Thank you. And Gracie, it's good to see you. Uh, I see you every day. Cheryl and I will sit in our recliners, and I'll, I'll, I'll just look at my watch and say, okay, here it comes, the Grace Report uh, on Facebook. Is that where it is, Facebook? And so Cheryl will say, and she'll say, Gracie and the grandchildren, and I'll say, here's the Grace Report. And it's, and it's always a wonderful report, those grandkids, and that's really great. So we're glad you're doing well and being able to enjoy time with those grandkids. Uh, <clears throat> I want to share a message this morning. Uh, when Pastor Gary, or, or Pastor Susan called me, when Pastor Gary went into the hospital, I, of course, offered to help if, <clears throat> if needed. And the Lord just put something in my heart. Uh, for this morning, and I'd like to begin in a psalm, Psalms 129.3, and I'm going to talk about a subject that, that I think most of the folks here probably uh, have know about. If, if you're younger, uh, maybe this isn't as uh, relevant, but most of us here, I think, have uh, heard this. Jesus spoke of it a lot. It's mentioned a number of times in the scripture. And what I want to preach on, the message is entitled, Plow the Deep Furrow. And I'll explain that in a moment. But uh, I'm going to be using the picture of plowing the fields. It, it's a picture that Jesus used um, because the, the common people of the day understood that. They understood how important it was to plow the fields. And if you... Uh, look into the plowing of ancient days, you, you'll realize that the plows they had were very rudimentary. You know, sometimes just a, uh, a sharpened stick was the tine that would break up the, the, just a the few inches of the topsoil. And in the Holy Land, the rocks, there's lots of rocks, and so it was hard to, to plow the deep furrow. The furrow is the, the line or the, the hole that the, the plow will, will dig up. And uh, you that are from the, the Midwest, you understand plowing. It happens all the time, not so much here, maybe in the Palouse here in the Northwest. Um, but it was an important picture that Jesus used and uh, because he knew people understood that. They couldn't have a harvest if they didn't plow. If they didn't break up that that ground, that shallow ground, to be able to plant the seed, but the the real value came if you were uh, able to get a metal, some kind of a metal tipped uh, plow, you could go deeper, and as you plowed deeper, you could bring up the rich nutrients that were hidden deeper into the soil. And what I want to talk about this morning is the privilege of being the people of God and being his disciples. 
and the idea that Jesus has called us to plow the deep furrow, the deep, deep things of the Lord. How many know it is a privilege to be called a Christian today? Amen? It is a privilege to be called a Christian. It is not the most popular thing in our world today. As a matter of fact, more and more we are seeing people that are against the Christian faith and against believers and everything that can be done to dismiss us as just uh, a bunch of radical, ignorant people that don't know any better. But they have tried that through the centuries, but the church of Jesus Christ and his followers will not be defeated. Amen? And, and that is because the people of God know what it is to plow the field, to plow the field of, of, of walking with Jesus. I suppose that we could um, secondarily title the message, I have decided to follow Jesus as a disciple of the Lord. In Psalms 129, let me read the first uh, four verses, if you would. This is a song of ascents. It's one of the songs they would sing as they were the pilgrimage, the pilgrims were making their way toward Jerusalem, making their way up toward Jerusalem. And this song recounts the enemies of God's people, of Israel. Verse 1 says, Many a time they have afflicted me from my youth, let Israel now say. So it's talking about Israel, their enemies have afflicted me from my youth. From its very beginnings, Israel has had its enemies, and thus the children of God. Many a time they have afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. Praise the Lord. They have not prevailed against me. And then here is the verse by which the title of the message. The plowers plowed on my back. They made their furrows long. Talking about the attempt of the enemy to destroy the people of God. Giving the image of a plow going through the dirt deeply, those furrows. Some commentators believe this is possibly a a predictive verse relative to what would happen to Jesus as he was scourged and his back was... uh, Uh, deeply wounded by the charge of metal and bone that he was beaten by. The long furrows on his back were like plows that plowed him as they prepared him for crucifixion. They have made their furrows long, but the Lord is righteous. He has cut in pieces the cords of the wicked. God will be the victory over the enemy. Amen. And so it is the encouragement of the scriptures, I believe, that that we be people who plow deep furrows for the Lord, that we plow this life and we try to be deeper and deeper in the Lord as we have decided to follow Jesus. I was reminded of that, that old song we used to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. And how many remember that? Anyone here remember that? All right, that's enough to have a choir. And I'm not a singer by any chance, but let's sing it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided 
to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And there's other verses, but I won't torture you today. We're talking about the cost of being his disciples once we decide to follow Jesus. And if you are here today and by chance you've not yet made the decision to follow Jesus, I want you to know it may not be an easy road. It may be a difficult road, but it is the best decision you will ever make when it uh, comes to eternity and the values of eternity. Amen? Just knowing that we follow the Lord and that we plow deep furrows for him, we get the, the depth of what he has for us. Jesus would say on the cross, into your hands I commit my spirit. After they, they dug deep furrows in, in his back with his scourging, he would commit that to the Lord as we have to do as well. So in this picture of plowing the fields or being a follower of Jesus, I want you to turn with me now to a passage in Luke chapter 9. And this is where Jesus specifically mentions the fact of of plowing for a believer. I want to talk about three things this morning. And the first thing is when you plow, don't look back. When you plow, don't look back. Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 57. It's an interesting passage. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'll follow you wherever you go. And hopefully we have said that. I have decided to follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus responded, interestingly enough, with another picture. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So you have decided to follow me. Well, if you follow me, understand this. I don't have a hole to get in like a fox and I don't have a nest to rest in like a bird. Uh, wherever wherever I go, it might be hard. It might be difficult for you. Are you sure <coughs> that you want to follow me? Are you sure? And then he goes on and says in this, verse 59, then he said to another, follow me. But he said, well, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And that's a very important thing to do. But the first thing that this person said to Jesus when Jesus said, follow me, is he had an excuse that he couldn't do it right now. Now, that, that's the, the, uh, the, the controversy of this little, little passage is, well, why would Jesus be against the man following or, or bearing his father? And, and we understand the culture of the day and what bearing his father really meant. It was quite complicated and, and long, and, and it appears that the man maybe wanted to follow Jesus, but he wasn't ready to do it right now. I've got everything, I've got other things more important to do. I've got to tell you today, the most important decision anyone will ever make is not to bury my father, but is to, it is to follow Jesus Christ. 
And the wonderful thing is that he could have just chose to follow Jesus and still buried his father uh, in a respectful way. But there seemed to be some hesitancy there. And then Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. He seemed to understand the, 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 the intent of the man that he spoke to. And then another said to him, verse 61, Lord, I will follow you, but there's that B word. I will follow you, but I wonder how many people have said, Lord, I will follow you, but I want it to be easy. Lord, I will follow you, but if things get hot in the kitchen, I'm getting out. Lord, I will follow you, but let everybody like me. I remember in my early days of ministry, someone in in our little church, I think in Myrtle Point, uh, we had just a few folks, and, and I think one of them had given their heart to Jesus, and someone said, has it been hard at work? And he said, no. You've had no problems with people making fun of you? No. I said, wow, that's, that's amazing. How, how, how'd you do it? He said, simple. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. Lord, I will follow you, but... No, when we say I have decided to follow Jesus, we have to put the but word behind us. Amen? We can't say but anything. No, I have decided to follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Oh, what an important thing. I will follow you, but first I've got to go say goodbye to my guests. Now, culturally, that would have been a very important thing to do. But again, the attitude of the heart was something was more important than being a follower of Jesus. And then this, this is where the plowing comes in. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, you that are farmers or Noah farmers or have had history farming, you understand what happens when you're plowing, especially with a little hand plow, and you look backwards. You're, yeah, it's just like that. That's, that's, that's the rows that you will get. That's the rows that you'll have. Because looking back will always veer the plow off. When you plow, you've got to look forward. You've got to look forward because it's, it's that... That, that straight furrow that will be easier for those coming behind you to plant the seeds. So uh, anyone plowing can't, can't look back. You're not fit for the kingdom. That's pretty strong. But, but how powerful a witness can we have if we've decided to follow Jesus and plow the good plowing of faith and we keep looking back at the world that we left? We keep having second thoughts. Maybe I, maybe I didn't want to follow Jesus. Maybe I didn't want to plow for the Lord. No. If, if we're going to plow, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we can't look back. No regrets. Amen? Now, it's not plowing, but as a teenager living in Coos uh, Bay, I lived on a dairy farm. And we didn't do any plowing, but I had to lay irrigation pipe. I had to lay uh, 20-foot-long pi- aluminum pipes and hook them with hooks. And, you know, anyway, it was a, 
uh, a good job for me. And, and one of the secrets of keeping the, the irrigation pipes in a straight line so that as we moved them every day, we would water the whole field was to tie a rag or a t-shirt on a fence post way down there. And so I would go there first and I would tie something on a fence post and then I would aim for that every time. And as I laid that pipe, I kept it in line with that fence post that was marked so that when I got the whole line laid out and looked back, that was a straight line. Now, there was a time I was in a hurry as a teenager. I had other things to do. So I didn't tie it. I said, I'll just go by feeling. I just go, kind of go, you know, by sight. And so I'm laying these pipe, laying these pipe, laying these pipe. I get down to the end and I look back and my pipes are going just like this. And I had to redo every one of them because I didn't keep my eye on the prize. Romans 12.2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. If we're going to plow for the Lord, we can't look back. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We can't keep our eyes on the pastors. We can't keep our eyes on the deacons. We can't keep our eyes on another Christian. we got to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and Him alone because that will help us plow a straight furrow for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So we keep our eyes on Jesus. So when you plow, don't look back. Secondly, when you plow, plow in hope. 1 Corinthians 9, 10, if you would please. Sweetie, could I grab that water bottle for me? Thank you. First Corinthians 9.10. When you plow, plow and hope. I've known farmers who plow. And I've never met a farmer who plowed his field and said, uh, it's not going to work. And I know crops fail. But, but every farmer I've ever known that's plowed has plowed in hope. They're doing all this work. And they, they have hope that their work is not going to be in vain. Now, today, I, I talked to a farmer. We have a, a pastor in Idaho who is a, a farmer, actually. The Lord called him from the farm. He has a small Idaho farm. I think it's, what is it, 2,000 acres or something like that. That's a small Idaho farm. Um, but he was talking to me about, about plowing and and he said, yeah, today, Pastor, he said, the, the gadgets and the, the instruments they have on the plows, you just set it and watch. Still have to watch and make sure everything's working. So it's pretty advanced today. Uh, but you still have to be in the tractor. You still have to, have to watch the field. And you still have to plow it and hope. And hope that things are going to come about. In 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 9 verse 10, there's a verse that Paul writes, and, and let me just tell you right now that, that what he's writing about in the, in the verses preceding and the verse, in, in the verses uh, uh, ahead of it and verses behind it, he's talking about giving. He's talking about um, uh, the ministry or ministers, um, why they should be allowed to receive something from the ministry uh, financially. 
and not every pastor can because churches are small. I, I know when Cheryl and I pastored, as Grace and Larry know, in small churches, sometimes you there's not enough there to receive a, uh, an offering or a salary. As a matter of fact, I was told as a young preacher by one of our superintendents, uh, Clarence Harms, he said, for the first two years of ministry, you ought to pay the people to listen to you. And I knew what that meant. <laughs> you need to sharpen your skills on your preaching a little bit. Um, but but the Bible does say that that the ministers, pastors, should receive something for ministry. So that there's nothing wrong with that. Now um, I don't I don't want to meddle, but um, I've never felt like it would be. No, I better, don't say that. Don't say that. I know you do. I just baited. Let, let's just say this. In my ministry, I've never wanted to buy a jet. Enough said. But in verse 9, it says, It's written in the law of Moses... You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? That's from Deuteronomy 25.4. Paul said, that's what the Old Testament says. You have an ox, and an ox was one of those, uh, that was the tractor of the Old Testament. And when he's treading out the grain, and if he wants to eat some of that grain, you let him. It's important. And... uh that's understandable. But Paul says, is God concerned about the ox or is he talking about something else? So he says in verse 10, or does he say it altogether for our sakes? And what Paul is talking about, he's saying other ministers receive income from their ministry and, and, and yet you are telling me and others not to. And, and Paul made tents many times to support his ministry. There was not money enough to pay him. And he talks about other ministers taking along their wives, and yet you're telling us not to take along ours. He says even Peter is allowed to do that. But he says in verse 10, for our sakes no doubt this is written. And then he uses the plowing example, and I'm going to take that to my message this morning, though this is talking about a, a minister receiving income, which is allowed in Scripture, and but most every minister I've known doesn't take advantage of that. I don't think I've known any that takes advantage of it. Matter of fact, most ministers probably put more in than they take out. And uh, in Grace International, we have a we have a, a rule that all the church bills have to be paid before we receive anything. And uh, that's an important thing, right? That's an important thing. And, and thank you for being generous people so that you can take care of the church obligations, your loan payments, etc., and give your pastors uh, a salary. Thank you for your generosity and for following the scriptures. Um, but he says here, and getting back to the plow example, what time is it? Yeah, probably over time here. A couple more minutes? We're good? Okay. For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, verse 10, that he who plows 
should plow in hope. He who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. What was he talking about? That if the ox is going to go out there and he's going to thresh the grain, he ought to have hope that he can get a mouthful every now and then. That if a minister is going to preach the gospel, he ought to have the hope that maybe somewhere along the line he can receive some remuneration. But for us who have decided to follow Jesus, the point I'm making is that when we are plowing for the Lord, we have to plow in hope that there will be rewards that are coming to us at some point or another. No matter hard the soil, no matter how difficult the life, there is a reward in our hope in our plowing. And our hope is this. We may not see it in this life, but I guarantee you we will see it in the next because heaven is our great reward. Amen? Heaven is our great reward for all the plowing that we do down here. Now we trust that we'll have some rewards down here and I believe we will, but the greatest reward is to hear the words of the Savior. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Enter into the joys of the Lord. We plow in hope because we know that in this life only, if we only have hope in this life, we are of all men most miserable. But if we have hope in Christ, we know there are rewards later that we'll receive. Amen? I have decided to follow Jesus. Excuse me one second. And then lastly... Is that a wonderful word, lastly? I would say in conclusion, but I heard on the TV the other day, one pastor said, pastors get five conclusions. So when you plow, when you plow, don't look back. When you plow, plow in hope. And lastly, when you plow, don't plow alone. When you plow, don't plow alone. And I take the passage from Matthew 11, 28 through 30, where Jesus spoke these wonderful words that we have, most all of us have heard before. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And this is referring, no doubt, to the plowing process, maybe to the wagon pulling, but plowing. The Old Testament had a restriction. It said, don't yoke an oxen with a donkey. It's it's unusual. Uh, it's 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 a punishing thing for the for the smaller donkey, and for the oxen, the the size difference is such that it would torture both of them. So make sure you're equally yoked. Paul refers to that in our marriages, when he said, "Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers," and not only marriages, but um, but relationships and partnerships. Now. If you do happen to be married to an unbeliever, Paul also tells us not to not to take not to put them away. The hope is that they will come to Christ. Amen. So keep them and love them and show them Christ and and through your example they can come to know the Lord. 
And he says, because of you, your children are set apart or sanctified. So there's wonderful concepts there. But when it comes to the plowing, he said, don't let an oxen and a, and a, and a donkey plow together because they're unequally yoked. And so Jesus here is reminding us that you don't have to plow alone. Now, a poor family had to plow without any animals in Bible lands. They had to just push that plow. Some of you might have one of these relics in your yard where you have a, a plow with a metal tine and a wheel in the back with two handles. And if you've ever wondered, how do you hook up an animal to it? You don't. You're the donkey. No, I, did I say that? I'm sorry. Did I? No. You're, you're the elephant. No, now I'm getting political. <laughs> no, no, you're the oxen. You're, you're the man, you're the power behind the plow. And, but you don't plow alone. If I want to be yoked with anybody, I want to be yoked with Jesus. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Jesus is our yoke fellow. And no matter how deep we have to plow the soil, Jesus is there beside us to help us and encourage us. Your brothers and sisters in the Lord are also there to help you plow. Your brothers and sisters in Christ who pray for you, encourage you, and and touch you and help you in some way. Your pastors, your pastors are fellow laborers that can help you plow. Your Christian friends, all of those things are there to help you so you don't have to plow alone. And in conclusion... When you plow, and furthermore, yeah. When you plow, keep your tines sharpened when you plow. The tines are the, the pointed part of the plow. You've got to keep them sharpened. I heard one time that sharpening time is not wasted time in the plowing. When you have to stop and sharpen your plow, you're not wasting time. How do we sharpen our plow for those who have decided to follow Jesus, so we can plow deep and get the best soil in our lives. Well, I think you know. Number one, let's read the Word. That will sharpen our times. Let's read the Word on a regular basis. Let the Bible be our best friend. Amen? Secondly, spend time in prayer. That will sharpen our plows. Spend time in prayer, seeking the face of God. Thirdly, Listen to God. In our prayer time, don't just talk to God, but let God talk to you. Amen? Let God talk to you. And fourthly, and there's probably many others, um, be sure and be in church. Church is a place where you can sharpen your tines. Amen? You said, well, last time I came to church, I had a disagreement with Brother John. I don't know if there's a John here. We have like seven Johns in our church, and I'm not talking about bathrooms. Matter of fact, I was saying goodbye to some folks as we left Landmark this morning, and three Johns were sitting there, and a visitor from Ohio turned around and said, we have five Johns in our church in Hawaii, in Ohio, and he said, I'm not talking about bathrooms. So you said, I had a disagreement with John. That's okay. That will sharpen your tines. When you forgive John, and you guys, 
make amends and, and it'll be, you'll be stronger together. Amen? And so sharpen your plows, dig, plow deep furrows, and just say thank you, Lord, for the call. And thank you, Lord, that I decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. No turning back. Let's stand together, please. One more time. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege of being a disciple of Christ. And Lord, we have put our hands to the plows and we will not look back, but we will look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If there's anyone here today, Lord, that is struggling in their faith, that the plowing is getting too hard, help them, Lord, to know they don't plow alone, but that you're with them and you're going to strengthen them It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And we thank you for that today in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for his word today, shall we? Amen. Pastor.